0: Tennis fans, you are listening to Match Point Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. We are also members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Ben Lewis, joined alongside Mike McIntyre. And we are here to recap the ATP Finals and get set for the Davis Cup Finals, which are just around the corner. And very happy to be
1: joined this week by Hall of Fame tennis coach Rick Macy. He's trained the likes of Serena Williams, Venus Williams, Maria Sharapova, Andy Roddick and Jennifer Capriati. not a bad group of players, if you ask me. <laughs> and of course, uh, he's been portrayed in the Oscar-winning film King Richard and the founder of the Rick Macy Tennis Academy. Rick, thank you so much for taking the
2: time to join us today on Matchpoint Canada. No, it'd be a lot of fun. I just got off the court and we'll we'll dive into everything.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's terrific. And <laughs> I'd love to start with your tennis academy, which I know you're still running and, and you're still out there coaching. What continues to drive your, your passion for tennis at this age? Because obviously you, you've done it for
2: such a long time. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually one of the last of the Mohicans. I actually started this in 85. As you go along, you kind of tweak the model, but we have a very different model than anybody in the world. I still teach 50 hours a week, seven days. You know, My name's on the door. I do more privates than anybody, obviously, probably in North America. I just have a different niche. Um, It's very personalized, you know, never really more than 60 kids. We don't really do a lot of boarding, you know, but the instruction. We've kind of been on the forefront with biomechanics, myself and my partner, Dr. Brian Gordon. So it's like people come for the instruction, you know. And whether you're on the tour or you're a little kid, an adult, it doesn't matter. This is kind of what we do. It's all about the instruction. Uh, the facility is amazing. It's like Disneyland and Candyland, Rick Macy Tennis Center. It's a public park like no other. Um, but I just love helping people. You know, I get bare, get up every day at 2 o'clock. I'm glad you're sitting down. Yeah, run a half mile. I open up the park at 5 o'clock at at 68, I'm a park ranger, so I'm going to put that on my resume. So, no, I just uh, I, you know, I, I just love helping others, and that's why I've never really traveled. Um, but at the end of the day, if you have the passion and the knowledge and you have a gift, I'm probably more of a life coach as a tennis coach. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I love what I'm doing, and uh, the tennis court is my living room.
1: It amazes me the amount of energy you have. And, you know, I was up at 6.30 today to coach hockey, but you beat me. You said 5 a.m. coaching tennis. So I just I hope I have that kind of, you know, energy and, and con- con- continued love for the sports that I'm involved in, you know, tennis and hockey when, when I get to, to your stage. And, you know, to just dive a little deeper on what Ben was saying there. I mean, you've coached some of the greatest all time players and many people could have said, hey, I'm going to hang it up and just rest on my laurels. What keeps you going? Um, you know, what makes you so relentless in, in your continued um, sharing of your, your love and knowledge of the sport?
2: Of course, I love, I love the question. Every day, I, I just try to get better. You know, it's not about, you know, Venus, Serena, Capriati, Roddick, Sharapova, uh, Kennan, Mosquina, Pierce. I could go on and on. There's been over 300 national champions. I teach kids all ages, all levels. I just love helping others. And I have a gift how to say it, why to say it, when to say it. Uh, Dealing with the parents, they should be in the hall of fame, just putting up with Richard, as you saw in the movie. I mean that alone, but no, listen, at the end of the day, um, I I couldn't do anything else. It's kind of hard to sit still, you know, I can't play golf, that takes way too long. Uh, If it rains, I squeegee the court. So I, I just love helping others, you know, and I have a gift and I can expedite the learning curve, probably as well as anybody in the world, how to correct things. So this is what I was meant to do, you know, and I always feel like I'm trying to get better. I got better today. You know, I learned from the students. I learned from everybody. And, you know, when I give speeches to the kids and the parents, I mean, I'm not changing strokes. I'm changing lives. This is much deeper than just biomechanics or strategic or footwork or mental. There's more that I have to offer. I do a little motivational speaking, even I don't travel that much. So. But people, they want that. And maybe they don't get that as much uh, from someone like myself. The name's on the door. I have a lot of pride in what I do. Um, and that, But at the end of the day, I just, I love it. I love being on the tennis court and making a difference, you know? And if I can't, I keep trying until I feel comfortable about it and then go from there.
1: Clearly, you've got a great skill set working with young players and developing talent from a young age. And as you mentioned, not just about skills and tennis strokes, but there's a whole lot more that goes into it you know, those players that, that you mentioned before who've gone on to, to great things, did you ever consider moving along with any of them or becoming um, a coach full-time at the professional level? Or is there something about coaching kids and coaching younger people that I guess clearly has really
2: captured your interest and, and your heart? Well, first off, another great question. I work with about 30 girls on the tour and about five guys, but I work with their coaches. I'd rather, I'd rather build the box than sit in the box. You know, I've never been really big on travel. You know how that works, four bad losses. And like, I'm working for you guys, you know? Those things are a slippery slope to be a travel coach. Could I? Yeah. I actually could have went with Venus and Serena in 95, but it didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. Um, But I don't look back. I've never had that ambition, but I've had many opportunities to do that. But I run a business and it's hands-on. And, you know, I get to sleep on my own bed, you know, my own schedule. I got control of this situation. So I like putting it together. Now, that being said, if I had someone um, and say they got to the finals of a slam, U.S. Open, I don't know if I traveled Australia, I would go, obviously. But it's never been what I wanted to do to travel. Uh, I can make a bigger impact when they come to me and people come from all over the world, no matter what age. I worked with an 80-year-old guy who's number one in the United States. I taught him the ATP forehand. He hit it like Jimmy Connors for 70 years. He freaked out. I changed some muscle memory in five minutes. He goes, oh my God, this is crazy. So you got to understand what I do is a little different, uh, but could I have done that? Absolutely. But it's never really been what I wanted to do, travel, because when it doesn't work out, then what? And you go for the next player and the next player. And I'd rather just be here, you know, build it, uh, if I'm there the whole duration, that would be great. But you know, as well as I do, to be to start with someone and to be there 10, 15 years, that's almost near impossible. You get agents involved and money involved and, you know, they lose a few matches. It gets to be tricky. You know what I'm saying? And if I don't travel, it's not going to work.
0: Yeah, you you have me wanting to to hop on down to Florida and get a few private lessons here. <laughs> um we should should go over to the ATP finals because of course uh Novak Djokovic I mean it's incredible you you've seen the fruits of your labor with some some former Grand Slam champions obviously Serena and Venus and Novak Djokovic the type of success he's still having at age 36 here winning his record seventh ATP tour final maybe you can articulate just how how difficult this is because it's it's not normal how he's he's still playing at such an elite level what do you think his secret is
2: Well, there's many secrets. You know, first off, uh, long ago, his number one goal was to always get better. He changed his diet. You know, he had sinus surgery. He made himself into a champion because early on, you know, he would like retire a lot. So it wasn't like he came right on the tour and dominated. Um, His domination's been really since 2008 or whatever. And he's going against, you know, Rafa and Fed and Murray was still in there. So he's did it in a tough era, but let's that's, that's back the truck up. First off, mentally, he's a different animal. And that's always the first thing people have to understand when they look at greatness. That's rare air. And I'm sure when he's retired, the stories that he will tell going in the mountains, hanging out with the wolves, all the meditation he does, the visualization, people have no idea what this guy does. All they see is what they see on television. But behind the curtain of greatness, people just have no idea. You know, we might have a little better idea, but this is a, a unique person in that regard. So mentally, it'll be interesting to see how he elaborates on all that stuff. That's number one. Number two, the movement. The guy's made of rubber. He's the rubber band man. So what that means is once he gets gone, he can counterpunch quality off of quality. And you see that in Alkares. They can counter off a quality better than anybody. So that's another thing. Where the rest of the world might ship it or lob it, he can hit a winner. That's what people don't understand. So those minute little details. Okay, that's number two. The next thing, he has made himself a, a champion. What I mean by that, he doesn't mind if everybody boos him. He doesn't mind if people are all against him. He's learned to flip things in his mind, and his mind control is amazing. But the wild card, and this is for anybody watching this, he's all about the competition. I mean, think about it. 24 grand slams, 95 singles titles, like you said, seven, eighteen. We could go on and on. On The numbers and the money is mind-boggling. To keep the motivation up, what's, what's the motivation? Simple. I love to compete, and that should be the goal of any coach. To become the best competitor you can be, but when you have that success to still to want to go out there and knock you out. It's not about anything other than what he expects from himself, and he knows his toughest match right now is always the guy in the mirror. you know it's always himself, and so the, we're seeing something in real time that's just amazing, but people don't shouldn't just look at you know the best returner. he returns well because he can move well. You know, I mean he has that little extra range of motion to deliver the goods. Okay. So there's a lot that goes into this, but his mental strength and the way he handles stuff is a wild card, but he made himself into that. Okay. It wasn't like he he bought it over the internet or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, the, the mental resilience in tough moments again and again. Uh, it, it's just staggering what he's able to do. And we're seeing this young generation, I mean, throw their best punches. Carlos Alcaraz winning Wimbledon this year. Yannick Sinner with a fantastic tournament, making the finals. Uh, you, you know, if you put on your coach's hat with with those two or maybe a couple of the other younger players, what do you particularly like about this generation and crop of men's players and what they can do on the court?
2: Well, first off, the door's kind of wide open because you got Novak, who's not going anywhere, okay? He's on Mount Rushmore, but he's not going anywhere. But the door's open. You know, when you get guys like Rap and Fed and they're not there, people look at it differently. You might have a tough match in around the 16. Now they're thinking, maybe I won't have rough sledding to the quarters or even semis. And if someone gets hurt. So all these younger guys have got confidence just by the field being a little more fluid. And it's really like that on the women's side. So that's number one. But Alcaraz, we've never seen anything like this. Okay. We've never seen it. He's a combination. I tell everybody, than Nadal, Djokovic, and Agassi all wrapped in one. You know, he has makeup speed like no other. Okay. Once he hits that other gear, his turbo speed is amazing. He has a drop shot from outer space. He's probably told the kids, he's missed more drop shots. As a kid, than anybody's played tennis because he's tried more. And whoever coached him as a kid didn't discourage that, you know. Because he missed a drop shot, it's like, what are you doing? But he'll do it on break point. But he has so much imagination to his game, offense, defense. He can counter punch. Okay, so he's going to be he's just very different. And I know he's had you know a few speed bumps lately, but he's a kid. He's 20 years old. You know, he's not going anywhere. I think he's going to get such a bucket of grand slams, it's unreal. I feel, in my opinion, he's by far the leader in the clubhouse. I don't think anybody is there. No one's going undefeated. You got to lose to win. You know, he'll get better from the last month. But Sinner, he's in the game, you know, a, a, a skiing champion at age 12. People don't understand this. His agility, mobility, flexibility, there's a lot, and he rips the ball. Okay, so he's in the hunt. So to me, those guys, uh, Alcarez, then you got Sinner. uh, Rune's going to be in there. You know, the octopus from Russia, Medvedev. He's not going anywhere. That guy's brutal. He has my best quote of all time. He said, I don't really like to win. I would just rather torture you. Okay, now when a guy thinks like that, you're going to have a rough day at the office. But you can see that's kind of how he's put together. And then if I throw in an American, there's a lot of them. But Sebastian Corda. You know, this day will come once he gets over the injuries and stuff like that. I know Ben Shelton has the gun. Okay. And there's a lot of good Americans, but I think Corda has the game to make you uncomfortable and he can grab a handful of grand slams, but it's going to be wide open. But listen, Djokovic is not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere if he doesn't get injured. And listen, if he wouldn't have got booted out of Australia, you know, and we could go, he could be sitting here maybe with 28 right now. There's a lot of time, and he hit the he hit the ball kid with the ball at the US Open a few years ago. Mm-hmm. He could play because of the vaccine. This is very special, and he's really separated himself from Rafa and uh Roger. And while I'm in
1: no rush to see Novak hang up the racket because he's so enjoyable to watch, uh, it is interesting to think about what it's gonna look like on the ATP tour when he and Rafa do finally hang up the rackets and just listening to your analysis. You know, has me excited on some level for what that what that's gonna look like. Uh while we have you, Rick, and I'd love to hear more of that analysis about the current players, but I also, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk to you a little bit about Serena and uh and how things ended for her and her fantastic career. Of course we would have loved to see her get that twenty fourth slam, maybe twenty fifth slam. And she came so close when she came back after becoming a, a mom. Just wasn't meant to be, I guess. But you know, do you miss seeing Serena on tour competing? And and what was your sort of take of about a year or so ago when she hung up the racket and, and evolved away from tennis?
2: Well, it, first off, it didn't surprise me. I was surprised that her and VW would still be playing. And VW is still playing. You know, they love to compete. You know, it, it could be a lot also about the brand. You know, they're they're so iconic. They've transformed so many people's lives on and off the court. But it didn't surprise me. She's been injured. She was injured. She didn't play a lot of matches. You know what I mean? But you saw her turn back the clock at the U.S. Open, and she played like six or seven matches in two years, and she drops number two in the world. You know, when you have confidence, you take it a little earlier. You take chances. You know, you're dealing the cards. You're not playing as much defense. So she's amazing, the best serve ever in women's tennis. People don't understand. One match, she hit 21 aces. When's the last time you could say that about a female tennis player, 21 aces? They don't realize how good her serve was, but she's the best athlete ever to hold a racket and maybe one of the best female athletes of all time. Big, strong, fast, quick, flexible, could do the splits. At nine years old, she had muscles. That didn't mean she was going to be better than Venus or number one, but she also knew where you were going to hit the ball before you did. And Okay, she, obviously the, the rage inside. She had just rage. I mean, she'd give me that look even at 10 years old. You know, that look you saw at US Open. She knew where you're going to hit the ball, but she had all the time in the world. And you see this with hockey. It's an innate thing. BW didn't have it. And I back on video when she was 11. And people were looking at me like, what's that mean? And I said, that just means spells championship quality at the high, highest level on top of everything. Now, she could have had 30 grand slams if she would have played all the tournaments, wouldn't have taken time off, wouldn't have had injuries. But I think that's irrelevant. Look what she's done. And what people don't understand, her and VW were 14-0 in Grand Slam finals. They could have won 30 grand slams. They could if they'd have played mixed doubles, they could have won so many mixed doubles with a partner. But you gotta you gotta eat and sleep and go to the bathroom. You know, you gotta do what because they go deep into the draw people don't realize how good serena was she she checked every box and she added a few more you know and and i i could see this at a young age but mentally as a kid she wasn't like venus it took longer for her to mature i'd say run she go why you know sometimes it'd be those conversations. but her her back her backbone was better than her backhand. you know and i liked how she was wired so that's the wild card because when you're all about the competition, you handle pressure better.
1: I, I loved how in the film, King Richard, it really did focus mainly, I want to say on Venus, but you could see how Serena was waiting in the wings and just kind of taking it all in and learning from what big sister was going through. And, and the, the focus was really on Venus in those, those early years as well. Let's talk about VW for a second, I guess. And and we've never referred to her that way, but I like hearing the nickname from mm. you um, She's still out there competing uh, what do you make of her still going at, at her age? Are you are you surprised by that? And what does it tell us about her her love of of the sport of of the game of tennis?
2: Yeah, I just, you know, I just someone did an article on this. Listen, as you know, any athlete when they get to the, the fourth quarter or the back nine, it's hard to hang it up. Football, baseball, hockey, you know, especially when your skills maybe diminish a little bit. So, but it's their decision. You can't listen to say, Oh, you're 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 not as quick as you were not as fast or whatever there that time will come she loves to play it's must see tv everybody loves v okay she's gonna do it when she wants to and also at wimbledon where she's grabbed five of them you want to hear something crazy i'm in my office in 1991 i told angela Buxton. i said this little girl will win five wimbledon someday We, me, me and Venus used to practice two hours a day on grass to shorten the backswing, take it early. A great volley would be spectacular. A good volley, great. A bad volley, good. So I did it as a developmental tool, okay? But Venus beat, what, 14 in the world at Wimbledon. But she had such a bad loss at the US Open. It was magnified, you know what I'm saying? And she got beat bad. She'll do it when she's ready, but she just loves to play. She loves to be out there. I mean, she has nothing to prove. All right, and back to the movie. It was more about Venus because that's kind of the story that was told. You know, when they moved from Compton and came with me, and I took a big chance. And it was about it was always about Venus, and then Serena would be coming coming next. But what people have to understand about Venus is, in my opinion, she transcended the sport. In 1991, if you were big and strong, this is why I took the chance you weren't nimble. She was going to bring a different athlete, big, strong, fast. and She just was a different athlete. All right. And she went for the jugular. So at the end of the day, but now a lot of uh, females are like that. You know, they're big, strong, fast or quick. You, if you back the truck up, it wasn't like that. And then the crazy thing is she might have a little sister. That's even better. You know what I mean? So I, I i love, I love being a, she, both the girls are like my own daughter and When I went to the red carpet at the after party, we went back down memory lane. I literally had them on the floor crying because they were kids, you know, from age 10 to 15. And now Serena is looking as a mother. The stories were epic. They didn't remember a lot of them. But when I told them, it was like it was crazy, you know, but the the best decision I ever made. And not a lot of people could say this, Or the best vacation ever made was Compton, California. No one can ever say that. So uh, (laughs) I love being a VW and Serena. Oh, that's
0: uh, amazing to hear. And uh, just reminiscing, watching the film when when you do take that chance and and go and and travel with them. That's the thing about
2: it. Everything, listen, everything was almost spot on, the walk, the talk, the nuances. The only thing that was wrong, I had a mustache kind of like yours. Burnthaw had this big bushy thing. It took me like 30 years to have this little piece of AstroTurf. But other than his (laughs) Mustang, the whole thing, it freaked me out. Yeah, Will Smith, I said it when I saw it, he's going to win an Oscar. That was better than Richard. But almost the whole movie, uh, I don't know about all the stuff prior to me going to Compton, was so spot on. It was crazy. Wow. Oh, that's yeah.
0: that's really cool to hear. Yeah. Um, obviously, you have such a, a great eye to to notice certain special athletes and sticking with the the women's game. Uh, anyone in particular really stand out to you? Of course, Iga Świątek reclaiming world number one. We saw Coco Gauff breakthrough for the U.S. Open title. Uh, what are you expecting in the women's game? Maybe just leading into 2024 and beyond.
2: Yeah, well, first off, Iga has proven herself with four slams. You know, mentally, she's proven herself. And she's not going anywhere. I think she's a cut above. No one's going undefeated, okay? But I think she's much better mentally than the rest of the field. Sabalenka can be in and out. Rebecca can kind of, Rebacca can kind of spray it around a little bit. Coco, the best female athlete on the tour. Told, you know, she's an Olympic sprinter with a rack in her hand. The forehand's a little dodgy. I know she kind of covered it up during the summer. But there's a little bump there. But when you're confident, as you know, you don't see it as much. But when maybe you have people change the pace or you're not as confident. So she's not Serena, but she can win some grand slams. But let me just go even further. I think you're going to see Osaka not only come back. I think she can contend, maybe not next year, but I think she can be top 10 by the end of the year. And don't count out Sophia Kennan. You know, when you've been there, done that, and you have a grand slam, or like Osaka has four in her back pocket, that's gold. Those gold nuggets, you, you fall back on. With, with Osaka, it's all gonna be about, do I wanna knock you out? How hungry am I? Would I die to win every point? So I don't know that. So if that's the way she feels about competitiveness, cause listen, she's the richest female athlete in the world. Her life changed and you know, so sometimes you lose a little hunger. Kennan had a lot of injuries. She's so dangerous. I think she'll go back in there. Um, I love Mahova. She dips it. She flips it. She chips it. You know, she's been injured a lot. I love her game. And she's the best pure volleyer on the tour. If she can stay healthy, I think she's a c- contender. But I think it's so fluid, the women's game, because there's not a lot of people that have been there, done that. You know what I'm saying? That have that pedigree. I've won three or four or five grand slams. So every female goes in there, I have a shot. I have a shot, you know, maybe not on clay because on clay, he gets like Hingis on steroids. I mean, she just carves off angles and carves you up like a Thanksgiving turkey. So it's Thanksgiving's right around the corner here, but (laughs) she's by far the best. But those would be the people I'd keep an eye on, but it's so wide open. And all the females know that. Why not me? When you know that, it changes everything you know, and said, Oh God, I hope I don't play this girl or this gal guy, you know, early on.
1: I, I love you bringing up Osaka. Cause I think it's been a little bit of kind of like out of sight, out of mind for many in the tennis world lately for her, but her back on tour, that adds another element. And definitely she's been there several times before and been one of the best of, of this current generation of players. So excited for that. Um, Rick, we're also excited to have you back on one day. So this, I feel like First time on, I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface, but you gave us such great insights and answers, and I wish we could go longer. So can I get you to commit to coming back on Matchpoint Canada one day with us?
2: Yeah, just uh, give me a holler. I'll do it. Later in the day is good. I mean, that's the best time. i usually off the court by then. I don't think you want to go at 3 in the morning when I get up. That could be <laughs> a little rough around the edges. But, no, there's so many things on the table, and I got my pulse on all this stuff. So it's a lot of fun, and we'll definitely do it again.
0: There you have it. Rick Macy, Hall of Fame tennis coach, former coach of Serena and Venus Williams, Maria Sharapova, Andy Roddick, and many, many others. Uh, Always great to have a new first-time guest, and Rick was fantastic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. came as advertised, and then some. And, uh, you know, next time we have him on, I want to get into the film a little bit and, and a little bit more about the accuracy of the film and his role in it. Because he's right, they captured it. They captured it so well that that time period and what was going on, and clearly they did their research on the film in terms of talking to people like Rick and others to to really capture what tennis was like at that time and how Venus and Serena came in and and shook things up.
0: Yeah, no doubt. um Just to discuss a little more of the ATP finals, I love that the semis featured the top four, like we had. Novak Djokovic against Carlos Alcaraz in one hand and Yannick Sinner battling Danil Medvedev on the other side. And really, if if you look at the the full calendar year, these were the best four players throughout the season. So it feels fitting that that was our semifinal. And look, Novak Djokovic, you know, someone said it nicely. I think it was Bastian Fashon tweeted that he won three out of the four slams. He gets a record eight, uh, seventh ATP finals title. Gets up to forty Masters one thousands, and this is his third best season that he's ever had. It's not even his best. I mean, it's it's in, unbelievable yeah. to think about,
1: insane, but and also unbelievable that it's one of his best three at the age of thirty six when he should be on the the back end of a fantastic career and sort of winding down a little bit. He's not winding down at all. So it was terrific to watch. You know, I really love the format of this tournament. It's clearly different than all the other ones throughout the season in that you know, you can lose once and still be in the mix um, as we had him losing to Sinner in the round-robin format. And uh, that, I think, at the time, everyone was like, oh, yeah, Sinner, what a strong season, you know. He's definitely going to be one of the ones to take that, you know, carry the torch after Djokovic goes, for sure. But then you meet again, and it's in the finals, and there's more at stake, and it didn't matter that he had the Italians behind him there. It didn't matter that he had all the guys dressed up in carrot suits, you know, they're cheering him on. Mm -hmm. Novak, again, his experience and composure and ability to handle himself in those moments, um, just incredible how he was able to reset and bring a totally different version of himself, in a sense, in that final match and and take it in straight, 6-3, 6-3.
0: Yeah, and you could tell he really... Ramped up the aggression the second time they met in the in the final. He was, you know, very playing very front foot tennis. He he didn't want to give Yannick inner any time or space on the ball. His serving is just, I mean, it, it really gets overlooked how how great a server Novak Djokovic has become. Probably in the early stages of his career, you might point to the service somewhat of a weakness. But thirteen aces. He was serving over an eighty percent clip in that first ser- uh, first set. I think he only lost two service points in the first set. It was unbelievable you know, he opens the second set winning nine or 10 points in a row. And you're thinking like, this might be an absolute wash. Sinner did give a little pushback, but Novak just too sound mentally, physically all, all around. And he'll again, be the player to beat in 2024 until we see otherwise.
1: Yeah. And that second set, there was the opportunity for Sinner to kind of reinsert himself into the match um, as Djokovic was up four, two. And we had that game that went to deuce eight times. Yeah. Sinner got that game and then went up Love 30 in the next one on Djokovic's serve, served. And, and many players might have been like, oh, I had this chance to go up a second break and get so close For to sure. the finish line. He had that backhand volley Djokovic where like I could have put away that backhand volley on <laughs> Sinner, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't. And, you know, such composure. And he's been in these big situations time and time again. He's been in big moments, in big finals where the crowd has been against him no big deal, right? He's just able to take himself to another level to block out the mental distraction, as Rick Macy was saying, just that ability to block it out and be so mentally strong. And uh, my goodness, how's he going to follow it up in 2024? Like, what's coming next? And and 2024 will be a season where he can play any tournament he wants. This past season, again, there were still a couple that he couldn't get to early on, right?
0: Yeah, so, I I mean, look, he's going to be certainly the huge favorite at the Australian Open, without question. I mean, we know his absolute domination there. It's been staggering. I I will say we, we didn't have Carlos Alcaraz play the Australian Open last year. So that makes things maybe a bit more interesting to have him in the mix. We have Rafael Nadal planning for a comeback. I've never seen rafa posts this many updates on instagram by the way i mean it's it's everyday training like he's really giving one final push so similarly i I mean quite a bit different than the return from nao for naomi yosaka on the women's tour because she's so much younger but i think it is great to have a two you know superstar players um you know planning their return for 2024 i think it just makes both tours that much more interesting and exciting as we look forward to the new season
1: yeah, let's keep them around for as long as we can. I'm in no rush for either one of them to exit, as I said earlier. And, you know, we've still got a few episodes to go left in 2023, so we'll talk about what 2024 might look like, uh, you know, as we wind down here between now and and New Year's. Uh, But there is still some tennis to go. ATP Finals has wrapped up. Uh, WTA Finals was uh, a week or two ago. But there is still a big international competition coming up, and Canada is right in the mix, of course, as we are currently the... uh, co-current men's and women's world champions and we can say that for another few days maybe longer should Canada go ahead and repeat as champions what do you make of their draw what do you make of the team and how are you feeling Ben as Canada is about to um go out there and try and defend that Davis Cup title
0: yeah look I, I think they have as good an opportunity uh of anybody here at, at uh the Davis Cup finals with the uh, the players obviously they're bringing bringing Felix as seems sort of finding his form towards the end of the season winning Basel I think is huge so having him play his best tennis again and be the lead number 1 is is really important to their chances Milos Raonic I feel like he's almost the wild card of this event is he going to be utilized by Frank Dancevic is he trustworthy? Can he come through in a big spot in singles? I'm really curious to see if he he gets deployed or not. (laughs) We have, of course, Vasek Pospisil, I think Captain Canada, the anchor for the doubles team, and he's going to be vital to their their success. And now Alexi Gallarneau, Gabriel Diallo returning to the team with more experience and now having won ATP matches. And we've seen sort of a breakthrough for both of them, particularly Diallo beating Dan Evans in, in Toronto earlier this summer. So I, I think there's depth to their roster. I like their chances in the quarterfinal stage as things begin against Finland. And you look at the other rosters. I mean, we have Australia in the mix. uh, Alex Dimenauer, the lead player there. Chechia is there with Yuri Lehechka. Great Britain is actually missing Dan Evans. They're missing Andy Murray. Italy, I, I think, is a very strong team if Yannick Sinner still commits to play. But is he going to be completely exhausted and pull out? You have to wonder. And then you have Serbia and the Netherlands have to wonder if Novak Djokovic is still committing to play Davis Cup, which he says he will, if he's there for Serbia. That gives them, of course, a massive boost. And in my eyes, they would be the favorite if he's there.
1: Yeah, well, if Novak says he's going, I think when it comes to representing his country, we can pretty much take him at face value. Canada gets Finland to start, which is the best of the other seven countries in there. Rusivori, yeah. Um, you know, this goes not before 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Tuesday morning, but I say Heavy favorites for Canada. And I think, I think it's so. great that we might get this this one matchup where we can kind of ease in and try a few things. I'm going to be very interested to see what Frank Dansevich does with this team because we know Felix is playing the number one single slot. We know Vashik is going in doubles. But beyond that, it's a real question mark. I don't think we're going to see Milos in singles. I don't think he's played enough lately. and I don't think his body held up well enough in the summer in the limited tournaments that we saw to give us the confidence for him to go. To be honest, just my, my guess, I don't have insider information on this one to me. Diallo played so well down the stretch and is a a real, almost like Marina Stakushik for the women's squad. Other Mm -hmm. teams might not know enough about him. And so he might be to me, the choice to go to in that second singles spot um, who's going to partner with Vashik? I wonder. Maybe Milos could slot in with Vashik. We could have the all veteran matchup. And with Milos's serve and Vashik's ability to close at net, that might be a nice partnership to try out. And maybe against Finland, we trial it before things get. And I'm not trying to dismiss them. Don't get me wrong. We got to get yeah. through them, obviously. But that is going to be the best starting point, I think, for this squad.
0: Yeah, I I'm I'm with you there. And I, I think that would be a spot to put Milos in and maybe say a dead doubles rubber if they've already won two singles matches against Finland. You have that option. Of course, Felix and Vasuk have played amazing doubles together. We know Dennis Schapavala played great doubles in the past with Pospasol. Dennis not there, but you look yeah, you look at this draw. I think you know, if you get past Finland, you're facing the winner of Chechia and Australia. I would probably favor Australia in that matchup. And then it becomes a question of, I mean, I will say Alex Dimenauer has had a fantastic season so well and Purcell, probably Max
1: Purcell beat a ton dangerous. of Canadians I feel like this summer right? yeah, <laughs>
0: very dangerous I mean we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves it starts against Finland Tuesday and we'll see if they can fight through that first quarter final matchup but what an opportunity I mean already both the men and women in Canada here are world champions and it, just the idea that we're discussing Canada having the opportunity to defend their Davis Cup title is something that would have been unthinkable just a handful of years ago
1: you can imagine all the other countries and tennis fans are saying god can canada please lose enough of canada <laughs> winning these things so we'll wait and see we'll be back next week to uh, wrap it all up for you hopefully get a player or a coach or a captain or someone from team canada in there to discuss it as well um so looking forward to that and and boy this was a fun one today with rick macy i really uh, really enjoyed that one
0: yeah he's fantastic thanks to rick and we hope to have him on again in the future you've been listening to Matchpoint canada we will talk to you next time